How many ready for the word? I got a whole 10 minutes because the Lord decided to interrupt my sermon today. Aren't you glad, though? Grateful for the presence of the Lord. Listen, um, we've been in a series of messages since the beginning of this year called Back to the Basics. And what it is, is it's actually a companion series with the word of the Lord. Our word of the Lord for 2022 comes out of Colossians 2, 6, and 7, where we want to be rooted and built up. We want to be rooted in the things of God, and we want the Lord to continue to build up his image in us. How many of you know that the whole aim of your discipleship, your walk with God, is that you would be more like Jesus, amen? That you're being formed, or as it is, restored into your original state. You didn't love at one time, now you're loving and increasing in your love relationship with people. Why? Because of Jesus. His image is being restored. You're more tolerant of people where you are more judgmental and critical of people at one time in your life. All of that is what? Jesus, the Spirit, operating inside of you so that your image might be restored so that you look like your daddy. Come on, somebody. That you sound like, talk like, act like, treat people like your big brother Jesus. Amen? And so we, we started with a bunch of practices, seven of them are through this series of messages. So far, we've gotten through three. One was back to the word with Wayne Cadero. And we've seen people dig into the word of God like never before with the reading schedule that we're using and soap. And we just love that people are getting in the word of God. How many know Netflix is not going to change your life? Hulu is not going to change your life. The 49ers losing today is not going to change your life. I saw somebody with a 49ers jersey in the altar. In Jesus' name, you need help anyway. So back to the word. And then I ministered a message called back to prayer, back to that intimate place, back to communicating, communing with the Lord in prayer. Last week, Rachel and Anaje killed it with back to worship. Amen. And, and, and I listen, I, I was sitting there, and the phrase that she used was, was worshiping through the why. And I just couldn't get that. I, all week long, I started thinking about that and pondering and meditating on it. There, how many of you know that there's never going to be a time where God answers all your questions? Look, some of you are like, he's not? No, I hate to tell you. He's not, newsflash, he's not answering all your questions. However, if you worship him through all of it, in the end, in the end, his glory will be revealed through it all. Amen? How many can look back over your life right now and look over your shoulder at some seasons that you got through? And now, in retrospect, you can look back and see exactly what God was doing. But in the meantime, while you were going through it, you had no clue where he was, what he was doing. You had all the saints praying. You were fasting, doing everything. Couldn't figure it out. And, and God never answered it. But as you look back, you saw him. And what that ought to do is create more trust in the middle of the next season of something that's going on in your life and you build on that previous experience and trusting God and God was faithful and he came through. How I many know oh, God will always come through, amen? So this morning I wanna minister a message, albeit rapidly, uh, to expound one of our values, which is this, saved people serve people. Say save people, come on, say it together. Save people serve people. That's. That's a weird thing to say, like save people, serve people. Because the reality is, is most of us are trying to get out of serving. We're trying to, there are not very many career paths that people figure out to get into where they say, I just want to get in the service industry. I just want to be a waiter. Nobody does that because you know what happens with waiters. Christians come after church and get food. They're, they're in a hurry. They're grouchy and they don't tip good. Oh, not here, somewhere else. Sorry. 
That, that nobody, it, it, it's, it's a struggle to get people to want to serve. It's, it, it's a struggle for us. In fact, if you thought about it for a minute, most of the difficulty that we have in marriage and relationships sometimes comes around serving and preferring the other person, their opinion over you, their preference over you. Why not? If you're in a relationship, what would happen if you try to outserve one another? What would, it would just be this reciprocal effect of, of just goodness in your marriage, in your relationship. And, and you want to go out and golf, and she'll let you go golf, but she ain't going to let you go if she's going to be a golf widow. Come on, somebody. Oh, you ladies, you're a little slow. That was a good place to say amen. You missed that, but we're going to try to work on that the next time, okay? <laughs> ladies, like, yeah, golf widow. Look, ladies, say amen. Isn't it a lot easier to submit to a man, serve a man that's laying his life down for you and the family? Let's see, you didn't do it again. You're just like, yes. Come on, girl, say amen. Right? And so when we start thinking about Jesus and his example and his teachings and his model, and, and we start thinking about the kingdom of God versus our culture and American. How many of you recognize that we're looking for popularity? When we say we want to be meaningful and significant in our world, we're looking for popularity. We're looking for likes on Instagram. We want accomplishment, achievement. We want financial gain and security. We want, to, we want the acquisition of power, position, and title. And Jesus is like, yeah, the way up in my kingdom is down. And so you pad, while you're climbing whatever ladder it is in our culture, while you're climbing that ladder, Jesus is going down. And you pass Jesus on the way like, hey, G whoa, where are you going? He said, I'm leading you to significance and meaning in your life. And we're sitting up trying to climb out of those places that Jesus is trying to take us to to find meaning. Did you realize that the kingdom of God is in conflict with the kingdoms of this world? That, that, that the way that Jesus would prescribe us to live and to be is at odds with everything our culture teaches us. Like, for instance, Matthew 23 says this, and Jesus is in right in the middle of rebuking and chastising the religious leaders of his day for just the opposite about, of what I'm going to read. In, in verse 11, it says this, The greatest among you, the greatest among you, will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves... Self-promotion will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I, I, had, I remember the first time I went to Africa to speak to an, a group in Nigeria, actually, in Lagos, and um, there was like a thousand pastors in this room, and uh, I had the, most, the best experience with my driver. My driver was the man. He knew that I needed certain foods to eat, that I couldn't eat Nigeria food because I'm very picky. Hello, somebody, I like to say discriminant, hello. My wife would say picky, but, but so like he knew that I needed, after preaching and exhausting myself, he would take me to this missionary compound to get my favorite dish, which is peanut butter and jelly on bagels. Come on, somebody. Like, like you don't know, when you're on a mission field and you can't eat just about everything, how many of you know peanut butter and jelly is the heaven's, heaven's meal? Come on, y'all. And so he would take me, and he was so attentive, and he found, like, sports drinks because he knew I was sweating from wearing suits, and it was like Africa hot. You know what I'm talking about? So I was sweating and preaching, and so he would take care of me. And so I started preaching. The very first time I preached from Matthew chapter 23 was in Nigeria. And as these pastors were listening, I set it up just the way I'm setting it up. And I said, the greatest in the kingdom that Jesus is speaking of in his kingdom is a servant to everyone. 
And I looked, and just like the ushers, Linda's standing in the back of the room right there. Raise your hand, Linda, so everybody can see you. So Linda's standing in the back of the room. I said, the greatest, and I just kept building up, the greatest in the kingdom, those that are the most significant, that have the greatest meaning. I said, it's like my driver in the back. And you could have heard a pin drop on the carpet because everybody in the room was trying to be served. We're used to being served. And it was like a countercultural, which, by the way, when you go to other cultures where oppression is heavy and that type of thing and there's poverty, people climb out of that trying to usurp and have some sort of kingdom and thiefdom of their own. And I was dismantling something that culturally they had adopted from the people outside our kingdom. How many realize you can't adopt the American mentality? You have to learn how to live in the kingdom of God. Oh, y'all not talking to me. Help me. The kingdom of God is different. And Jesus was rebuking them because if you look in the context and you look at that chapter, some of them, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Bible said that Jesus in verse 6 and 7 said that they love public greetings. They love to be greeted in the public. Hi, rabbi, hi, teacher, and the priest, the high priest. They love to be recognized by their titles and, to be, and that their works were seen by other people so that men could applaud them. And God is like, yeah, don't be like them. Don't do that. Don't do your work so people can notice. Do your works in secret, Jesus would teach in Matthew chapter 6, so that your heavenly Father sees in secret and rewards you openly. When you do something, you ought to do it as the young people say. Do it on the low. Do it on the low so nobody sees it. You're going to give somebody some money, slip it. Send it anonymously to somebody. Hand somebody the money. Say, hey, give it to her. Do this thing. Don't let everybody say, hey, I gave her that car. I guess those, that's most, my shoes. I gave her those shoes. And we want to point to ourselves. And Jesus is like, no, that's how the other people do it. In my kingdom, I see you in secret. I'll reward you. Don't worry about it. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. That's good stuff. The priests were supposed to take burdens off the people in verse 4. They were adding more burdens on them. There was something before we had Instagram, before we had technology, it was already latent and embedded in the human mentality, is that we wanted to be celebrities. Before celebrity Christianity came along, there was this. How many of you know we don't need our preachers to be celebrities? We need our preachers to be prophets. Come on, somebody. And, and speak and declare the word of the Lord, amen, to a generation that needs it. So, so flip over to John chapter 13. I got to run. And, and I'm going to give you just the basics of this message. And I think the Lord's already done what he wanted to do this morning. But I want to give you this part of the message, amen? John chapter 13. It's a pivotal chapter. If you've got it. Hold on to it for a second. The first 12 chapters of the book of the Gospel of John primarily focus on Jesus' public ministry. And then when you get to chapter 13 through 21, Jesus starts having these intimate private moments with his disciples. You've entered what is called what is the last few days and hours of his life. So his words, his final words, his final actions, everything that he's doing. How many of you know when somebody knows they're about to leave here, they don't mix words. They don't have a whole bunch of sentences and words. It's very precise. And I've had the privilege and the honor to be with, with men and women of God that are about to leave 
this side of heaven and go to be with the Lord. And you just know that every word is, is weighty. It's, it's heavy stuff. And so Jesus is about to demonstrate something. Now, it's kind of odd to me that the other writers in the gospel chronicle the communion story a little bit different than John does. John focuses in on what Jesus is doing at the feet washing, while the rest of them sort of talk about the cup and the bread and that type of thing. So it's different. And so when we read this, I want you to understand what moment this is. And in fact, Jesus' disciples oftentimes could not understand what he was doing until after he was dead and gone and resurrected. Then all of a sudden, as they look back like we do, in retrospect, they're like, ah, oh, that's what he was meaning. That's what he was doing. So John chapter 13 and verse 1 says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas and the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus, underline this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Skip down to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he had put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should, what? Wash one another's feet. I have set you, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Verily I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I, I don't know if you can grasp this moment, but, but there is so much significance in these portions of Scripture that Jesus, who is creation, who is the Word of God incarnate, comes and bows before the feet of the creation and makes himself in this moment as he disrobes himself. He literally makes himself a slave, a servant in this moment. Now, in our culture, when we start thinking of feet, you're like, hey, you know, why are you washing nobody's feet? What are you talking about? But, but in their culture, this was, this was, this was commonplace. This was normal. When you walk around all day long on dusty roads with sandals on, it usually coming into somebody's house, there would be a bowl and, and something so that you could wash your feet. It was just a common practice, a hospitable thing. But it also had some religious significance to it. Like the Jews wouldn't enter into Passover until they had washed their feet with warm water in a basin before the Sabbath. And so, but, but this, was, this would have been a very menial task. This is not something for the rabbi to do. Surely somebody else can do this part, the washing of feet. Normally, listen, and in fact, if there was a junior man, the junior man in the group would have been responsible for this task. But here, Jesus, the Lord and teacher, is saying, I'm going to set an example for you once and all as my disciples, as my would-be apostles in a few. I want to set a precedence. I want you to see how I want you to exercise authority. I want you to see how greatness is revealed in my kingdom. Great Greatness is revealed in my kingdom, serving. This is different. Look at the posture here. Look at Jesus. This is Jesus in front of Peter. Come on, y'all. 
Y'all know Peter's a hot mess. And he indeed does, don't wash my feet, wash my whole body. And he starts running his mouth again in this moment. And Jesus is like, no, nope, shut up. You don't know what I'm doing. Be quiet. Like, like I'm setting an example here. You know, there's not a lot of Bible college teaching on this posture right here. When you go to Bible college, they don't teach you. They don't have a class called servanthood. They talk about servant leadership and that type of thing. But, but the simple truth of the matter is, is to get in this position is difficult for us. That's why I'm staying here for a little while. Come on, y'all. I got, hey, look, I got tendonitis in my knees, and it hurts to be here. So you better say amen right now. <laughs> it's costing me. <laughs> but I thought about this in my marriage. I thought about this as we serve the community locally. I thought about it as we serve our community here in Gresham. I think about it globally. I think about it in my relationships. You know what's funny? We love to be around people who serve us. We love to be around. They make us feel so special. In fact, Jesus went into one man's house and didn't get water to wash his feet, but a woman washed his feet with her tears and drew and dried his feet with her hair. And Jesus remarked about that. When's the last time you put yourself in that position? By choice. He said, no, I, I'm fine. I want to serve. I want to be a blessing. I, I, I want to take on the posture of a servant for my wife, for my children. You know, one of the things is, how many married folk here, raise your hand right now. You know what's funny is, is I leave here and go into a real marriage. Did you know that? <laughs> like, like a real marriage, like, like one that's flawed and got issues. But can I tell you one of my pet peeves that, that the Lord just will not take away from me? Every single night, man, I go, I do the same routine. I don't know if you husbands do this, but every night I cannot go to sleep until I walk through our house and make sure every door is locked. I make sure before I come up, we are secure before we go to sleep. I do that every night like clockwork. And Coco knows that I do that every night. And literally every night when I finish that walk, I get to my side of the bed, take my bathrobe off, slip my shoes off, sit down in the bed and lay down next to her she says these words, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Every single night. And I'm thinking, you didn't know I was downstairs locking the door and we've been married 30 years. You know I'm going to secure and make sure we're good. And you couldn't have asked me while I was downstairs in the kitchen, no less. You laugh. Does anybody in here feel my pain? All the husbands are like, yes. There's some wives in here too, like, yeah, I got one too. She has this these, these cups that they get at Starbucks. You know the ones where you put ice in and they last forever? It's that cup, so it's, up, it's always on her nightstand empty. So I gotta put my bathrobe back on like a good servant. Yes, dear, I would love to serve you. How many know I'm not serving with a good heart? Somewhere down that walk, downstairs, somewhere down the steps, the Lord gets a hold of my heart and says, hey, this is what it means to be a servant. It means to be inconvenienced. It means to sacrifice. It means that you prefer somebody above yourself, even though the person knows for the last 30 years that you're going to do the same thing. And even though the person could help you out a little, that doesn't. She's not here right now. Did you notice? <laughs> Don't tell her what happened. I think she's going to find out, huh? 
You know, I started thinking about this idea of Jesus and foot washing, and, and, and there's certain things that you can't, unless you, they, it requires certain things of you from Jesus that, that you can't be a servant in the way that Jesus is unless you get these attributes. The first one is humility. How I many recognize pride won't let you serve? Pride says that's beneath you. That's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought, that, that certain things were beneath them. Other people do those things. Other people handle that. I don't wash feet. I don't do the bathrooms. And I, you know what? Nobody in my house gave me, like, like I don't know how I got the job of the trash. Come on, somebody. But, like, I, the trash belongs to me all the time. Now, I know that everybody else knows where the trash can is. You know, one time I preached, like, a really good message at church, and it was, like, a massive altar call, and all this stuff went on. It was, like, great. And I went home. I was like, Coco, did you see what God did? Kind of like God did it, but I was kind of saying I did it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, hey, did you see kind of what me and God did, you know? And she, was, she looked at me. She says, here, this trash bag has been here since this morning. Can you take this out? And I'm like, woman, do you not understand that I am the man of God? Do you not understand that God uses me? I'm the oracle of God. He speaks through my mouth. You know what she said? Literally, Ted, this is actually what she said to me. She said, you know he spoke through a jackass too, right? <laughs> That's the woman I married. Do you understand? <laughs> you, you'll never be able to serve like Jesus as long as you're thinking about yourself. Philippians chapter 2. Can I read something to you? Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this. Don't be selfish. That'll save you right there. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now watch this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, his privilege, his right. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to the, to, in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. And because of all of that, therefore, God elevated him. Do you understand that God can elevate you, put you in places that your service, your sacrifice, your debasing of yourself, your preferring of others, your serving of others, your being in a posture of a servant of others, God will see that and elevate you, put you in positions that you could never arrange for, that you could never, your resume is not good enough to get you there. Your education is not good enough. It doesn't matter that you got degrees. I don't care if you have so many degrees that they call you Fahrenheit. You still could not get in those positions if the grace of God doesn't elevate you open the door favor you and allow you to get in that position how do I get there through my pride through my own self-worth and my own evidence and self-promotion no through emptying myself as I empty God fills as I empty God elevates and then it said that Jesus received the name that was above every name why because he was obedient to God and emptied himself and served the will of God. Yes? Here's number two, security. You can't serve like Jesus if you're insecure. You just can't. Insecure people can't serve. Let me just say that to you real loud. Say, say it with me. Insecure people can't serve. You know why? Because if you end up in this position, 
you will think that this somehow invalidates you. That, that sometimes you think that you're synonymous with what you do. And so acts of service, you can't do them because you need to be elevated. You need people to see you a certain way. And if people saw me in the servant's posture, then they, they wouldn't recognize who I really am. No, they recognize who you really are. The reality is, is that insecurity won't allow you to serve people, won't allow you to empty yourself. Because if you do, you say, well, then who am I? Who am I? Well, Jesus, notice what it said in the text. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under him. He knew where he was going. He knew who he was. And more importantly, he knew whose he was. So therefore, kneeling and being before his creation and washing feet were not beneath him because his identity wasn't in what he did. Yeah, that's one of those where you say, Amen or oh me? Because I spent a large part of my life having an identity connected to and worth connected to and validation connected to what I did, how much I made, what I drove. And then I was unemployed, leaving the Marine Corps full of pride. I was unemployed for almost two years. I had a great job coming out of the Marine Corps. It was a smooth transition. And within three weeks or two weeks of being in that job, they last hired, first fired. They had to reduce the staff, and I was left without a job. And I thought, oh, surely I'll get another job, no problem. One week turned into one month, two months, three months, and then it was two years. Coco was the only one. She was working. She would bring her paycheck. Ladies, listen to me. She would bring her paycheck home and ask me, can she have lunch money for the next week? I was so humbled and so felt so unworthy. I was at home with the kids preparing dinner and my wife would come home and bring her check to me. And I'm like, ah, this is cracking something inside of me. And God didn't relent. It took two full years before I got the lesson. Don't be stubborn like me. Recognize your identity and your worth must be found in him, not in anything else. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. Come on, worship team. Come on, worship team. And lastly, it requires sacrifice. You're not going to be able to serve the way Jesus served if you don't want to be inconvenienced, if you're not going to go out of your way, if you're not going to take some of your money. And I was planning on using this money for this or that boat for that. And the Lord said, yeah, I have need of it. I want to use it for this person. In fact, you told me everything belongs to me. Until, listen, isn't it funny? We say a lot of Christian stuff like, God, take whatever you want. I surrendered the minute that God says, hey, I'd like to have that. We say, oh, no, that's the devil. Get behind me. <laughs> but do you realize that the Lord purchased you? Amen. That he bought you. Not with silver and gold. That he bought you with the precious blood of his son. That your redemption was costly. It was expensive. That God poured out his wrath on his son. He belonged on us. He should have judged us. We should have received death, and yet we get life instead. So, so the sacrifice is absolutely warranted and should be reasonable to those of us who have been saved. Saved people serve because we recognize what our salvation cost. That's why we serve. So no, somebody said, well, are we trying to get people to serve in the ministry today? No. Nah. There's no sign-up sheet. There's no bait and switch today. You either serve because God put it in your heart or you don't. We'd be a greater church. Listen, this community doesn't need a great preacher. 
Some of y'all didn't know to say amen. <laughs> we don't need a great preacher, and I don't want to be the fan club representative. What I really want is to motivate and stimulate and release the power of God to allow a people to rise up, empowered by God to serve and do good works locally and globally. That's what we're trying to do. That's what life groups are about. That's what journaling is about. That's what worshiping is about. That's what fasting is about. Why? So that all the junk in us can be subservient to the will of God being accomplished, and you could give your life away the way that Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. I did it. There's, there's a larger narrative here. If you zoom out from John chapter 13, if we zoom in, we see Jesus in front of his disciples washing their feet and there's lessons there. But if we zoom out, there's also a lesson. Because Jesus knew that in a few days, hours in fact, that he would serve humanity in a way that only he could by sacrificing his very life. Not only did he wash feet, but he died so that others might have life. I always tell young people in particular, don't just have a life of service where you say, man, I want to live for Jesus. If we give people something to live for, that's great. But how many know ultimately it would be great to have something worth dying for? Worth, worth your life's investment. Worth the sacrifice of your life. There's nothing this world can offer you there. Only through Jesus Christ can that happen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment of time. Nobody moving, nobody stirring around. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody here right now you say, you know what? I recognize that I'm not in right relationship with the Lord. A friend of mine invited me to church. I came. This is my second time, third time, whatever. And I've been investigating the claims of Jesus Christ. And I want to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I recognize that I made a mess of my life. And that if Jesus, as you said, is in the business of rewriting stories and redeeming lives and reconciling, I need that. I need a Savior. Jesus, the Son of God, lived a life that we could never live, gave the sacrifice we could never give, so that we might be made right with God. Through Him, our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can be placed, adopted, become the son, placed in God's family, become His sons and daughters. If that's you this morning, not a religious thing, but a relationship thing, I said, man, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me. Pastor Keith, that's me. I see your hand up front here. Anybody else? I'm looking around the room. I see your hand, sweetheart. Anybody else? Okay. If you had your hand up, look at me for a minute. You mean it? You mean it? Come here. I want to pray for you. Come right here. Come, come on right now. I'm going to wait for you. Come on. Yeah, you girl. Come on. I got my eye on you. I'm not letting you go this morning. Give the Lord a big hand clap right now. Come on, mother. Come on. You get the prayer team to help me with these individuals. Come on, mother. Come on, sweetheart. That's why I prayed for you at the beginning of the service. You didn't know it. Come over here. Come here. Yep. No, you can face me. Don't face them. Yeah. Don't worry about them. You know why? Because nobody comes into the kingdom of God without having to humble themselves. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what God thinks, ultimately. I lived my life a long time hooked up to what people thought about me. And I performed for them. Look at me. I performed for them. I performed for affection. I performed for validation. I did everything I possibly could 
to get people's opinions. And you know what? People change their minds so quick. Then what are you left with? Now I got to go find some more people and perform for them. You know what's steady, constant? is the Father's love. Give the Lord a big hand clap right now. Mother. Let's pray. Stretch forth your hand of faith to them right now. I want you to take a minute and just ask the Lord into your heart the best way that you know how. And say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I want to be your daughter. I want you to be my Savior from this moment forward. Father, for these, my sisters, and those online that may be praying as well, we love you. If you're praying and saying, man, I need Jesus, and let somebody know, say, I'm saying yes to Jesus so that our moderators can jump on and start ministering to you right away. So, Father, these sisters that have come, would you give them the strength to accomplish what they commit to today? We can't serve you unless you empower us. We can't do anything without you. And so, Lord, thank you for drawing them home today. Thank you for being their Savior, their Father, their Healer, their Redeemer. Lord, we thank you for the work that you do in men and women's lives that we get to be a part of this story. Lord, keep them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give them a big hand clap right now. This is awesome. So listen at me. Look at me. I want you to go with that guy real quick. He's going to give you some information. Yep, go with him real quick. He'll give you some information and get some from you. I want to put something in your hand to get you started. Amen? All right, stand to your feet with me all over the building. Come on. How many of you would say that you want to be a better servant of the Lord? Lift your hands right now. That's like a hundred. That's a preacher trick, right? That's easy. Hold your hands out before you like this. Just hold your hands out just like this. Same thing online. Everybody. And the best way that you know how, look at me for a minute. Years ago, I used to sit where my friend sits right here in the church. He's just sitting on the front row right in the middle. And I remember the, my pastor preached a message similar to this. And I had this sense in my heart. I said, God, for the rest of my life, you have a blank check. Whatever you want to write it for in my life, my resources, you have access to everything. So, so with you putting your hands like this, just do like this with me. You're saying... Whatever you want. I, I'm not, like Jesus, I'm not clinging to anything. I don't have any toys that I won't sell. I don't have anything that holds that much sway on me. You can have access. You can have it. Whatever you want, whatever you desire, write the check. My life is yours. Everything. So the best way that you know how, say that before the Lord in your own words right now. Take a minute. You want. Wherever you want to send me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. However you want to invest resources, my life, I have no opinions. It's all yours. Although I possess all things, I own nothing. It's all yours. The very breath in my body is borrowed from you. Nothing do I have has it originated from me. It has been your goodness, my clothes, my house, 
my car, my children, my marriage, everything. It's because of your goodness and your favor. What do you want, Lord? You may have it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Now, before you leave, listen to me real quick. This is important. You have to keep investing in relationships with people who appear to be unlovable, too, right? You have to keep investing, keep the door open, keep going after them here, and remove your judgments of people so that you, can, you can't be a conduit of God's love and grace while your judgment is in place. You have to leave judgment to the Lord. Your job, because you never have enough information to ever make a righteous judgment. You never know everything. You don't know what's in somebody's heart. You don't know what circumstances have befallen their life. You know glimpses. So we leave the judgment to God. But what I know I can control, which is I can keep loving and keep being gracious, because you never know when God will turn the circumstances of somebody's life and give you the opportunity that you have earned through consistently loving and being there for them, you might be the person that God uses to bring them into the kingdom of God. So keep investing in relationships and keep inviting people to God's house. We will keep multiplying services. I will sweat every Sunday if it means people giving their life to the Lord. Amen? Amen? So go with God. God's going to go with you. We love you. Take care.